Um, okay. So, um, okay. So, yeah. So, what we decided to talk about this week is the question of, uh, of Toelet um, in lish- issues of Lashon Hara, as well as in issues of, uh, of privacy or Gili Sod. Let's leave it privacy for a minute and Gili Sod. Um, now, you know, one, one of the, the challenges here is going to be, um, in general, Toelet in the way it is used in postgim is much more localized, um, than the ways that it is, uh, often necessary if you want to justify much more expansive, um, um, usage of it in terms of, uh, government surveillance or in cases that we dealt with the whatever it was 10 years ago 12 years ago um justifying journalism in general um but to to figure out whether it's um you know it can be expanded what we really need to do is figure out what toilet even means if it's the proper category um whether people who use toilet really mean toilet um and sort of break down terminology so we can get it to the heart of, uh, of what this whole idea that Lashon Hara or breach of, of, of confidence or the like is permitted under certain circumstances. Um, I, you know, I, so when we did Lashon Hara and SBM my first year, I had an inkling that there was something off. And the more I've, you know, the more I've learned it over the years, the more I'm convinced that not only, not only is there another way of thinking it, but uh, about it than that of the Chavetz Chaim, but even the postgame who quote the Chavetz Chaim don't really agree with the Chavetz Chaim, um, which um, whether they realize that or not, I don't know. Um, my guess is that sometimes yes, and they don't realize they're arguing with the Chavetz Chaim, and other times my guess is that they know they're arguing with the Chavetz Chaim and are using it more rhetorically, or even the Chavetz Chaim agrees or something like that. Um, I don't know, um, but that's just my inkling. Uh, at some point, I did the very painful uh, work there's there there are like entire Torah journals that are do- de- dedicated only to Lashon Hara um so every year they put out like 150 200 page journal um I, I, at some point I sat down and read like 10 years worth of them um to just sort of get a feeling for for what it is I don't I don't suggest ever doing that um um Okay, but let's let's talk about this this category, and then one, once we talk about the category, we can talk about whether it can be expanded in, um, you know, it, how much it can be expanded, um, what does it mean, and things and things like that. So uh, let's pull it up over here. Um, I had given some version of this at some point. I left English in on those sources that I had in an old source sheet that had English. So whatever. Um, okay. So let's just um, remind ourselves here of the prohibitions in play, um, for which toilet is uh, right toilet or whatever might be instead of toilet is relevant. So one obviously is going to be the breach of confidence question, the gili sod question, um, which is one interpretation. Um, that, as you have seen, um, you know the the pasuk of Mishle, which is. You know, correlated is rivcha rivet reyecha v'sod acher al tegal, which prohibits giving away the secrets of another. Um, 
And the, the main source that's often pointed to in terms of Gilly Sod is the Gemara that you've seen um, in Yom Adav Dalit, Vayikra um, Moshe, Vayidaber, Lamahiktim Kriya Ledibur, Limda Torah Derech Eretz, Lo Yomar Adam Davar Lechavero, El Im Kain Koreu. So first, you have, uh, have one drasha on the Pasuk of Vayikra Hashem El Moshe, um, that you shouldn't say anything unless you're you call someone first. Um, but then the Gemara moves to another one here at the bottom. Um seemingly a pun on the word Lemor, which is being read as Lech Emor. Um, or at least that's how some of the Mufarsham understand it. Um, there is an assumption that you aren't allowed to that if something told you something in confidence, the assumption is you can't share it unless uh, told otherwise. Now, um, whether Gili Soda is actually a prohibition or not a prohibition, whether it's Lashon Hara or not a Lashon, or not Lashon Hara is complicated. Um, are you planning on doing more of that, right, Clapper? Or should I give the, the very quick overview of that? No, so so Gilly Sod, I mean Gilly Sod very briefly, but you'll you'll do it more in depth, right? Some think this is an actual halacha. It's quoted by the Mongan Avram in, in Arachaim Simon Kufnud Vav. Um it's not quoted in the Rambam, it's not quoted in Shulchan Aruch. Um that may just be because they don't quote everything, or as Mi'iri here says, it's not a halacha, it's Derech Eretz. Um so it could be that it's not an actual halacha. Um the second sort of way of figuring out whether Gili Sod is actually a halachic issue is to figure out what Lashon Hara means. Um, and uh, briefly, right, the, right, you have several terminological positions that float around, around the words Lashon Hara or Lishna Bisha in the Aramaic and Motsi Shemra. The Chavetz Chaim's formulation follows that of the Rambam and Perak Zion of El Chodeot. That Lashon Hara is speaking negatively about someone with true information. Motsi Shemra is speaking false information. Um, and Rechilut is uh, right speaking in such a way that you will cause animosity, telling someone that someone else spoke about him, things of that, of that nature. Um, that is the position of the Rambam. Um, however, there are many other interpretations. Um, uh, at least in certain sugyas and shas, Lishna Bisha seems to mean Gili Sot, um, and therefore Lotelech Rachel would prohibit um, breach in confidence. Uh, that is how the Ritva understands the Sugya in Bavavacha, Daflamatet, though he thinks Lashon Hara is both Gili Sot, as presented in, in, um, in Bavavacha, um, and what we call Lashon Hara of gossip and the like, based on the Sugyas in Erechen, and writes that Elu Minhat Lishonot Hamnit Chalfot Bashas. Um, these are the, uh, this is one of the terms that means both things, that switches what it means. Uh, Rev Eichai Gon and the Shiltot, Kuv Chavchet, says that Lashon Hara, the words Lishna Bisha, refer only to Gilisod, um, and therefore, breaching confidence would be under uh, that category. Um, in the, some of the Ashkenazi, we in the Mordechai, um, and uh, and the Sefer Hasidim explicitly, Rashi implicitly, as the Zechemid points out, 
Motsi um, Shemra means what we call Lashon Hara. Um, and Lashon Hara means what, what the Ramam calls Rechilut, um, which has some relevance in certain contexts. Um, but any, and then the Urayim has, which I know Ray Clapper likes very much, the Urayim thinks that Lishna Bisha means uh, it's a prohibition on being two-faced and Echab Bepev Echab Belev, which is um, his own unique theory. We spent a long time on that when we did it in SVM. It was a lot of fun. That your aim is a lot of fun. Um, your aim is always a lot of fun, to be fair. Um, but according to any of the Shitot, like Rabbi Chai Gaon or the Ritva, um, so Gilui Sod is prohibited under the rubric of Lashon Hara, of Rechilut, of Lotelech Rachil. Um, so that's category one that we have to deal with. Um, category two is what is colloquially called Lashon Hara, um, following the Chavetz Chaim's sort of total acceptance of the terminological scheme of the Rambam um, here in number four, um, of Hamaragel Bechavera over below Ta'asei, Shene'em Arlo Telech Rachil Bamecha, V'afel Pi'ishen Lokin al Davar Zeze Avon Gadol, Gorem Larog Nevashot Rabot Mi'Yisrael, right, it's a terrible sin, it causes death, and then he says, what is this? So he says, Ezo Rachil, Rachel is one who right goes from one person to another. Says he said this, he said that. Um, worse than that is gossip. Not totally clear to me why this is hundred percent different than, than what he calls Rachelit, but okay. Um, which is lashon hara. That's gossip. True gossip. Um, Motsi Shemra is speaking false information. Okay? The, so the two prohibitions in play that we need to figure out um, Recording stopped. Did the internet cut out in the Beit Midrash? Uh. <coughs> um. Okay, fine. That's just the terminology. That's just the, the questions that that are in in play. Okay. Now I'll pause before we go to the sources. Whatever the prohibition is of lashon hara of gilisod, if those are different things, um. Tell me what you know. When is it permitted? Under what circumstances it, is it permitted to violate said prohibition? Right? What do you know about it? And unmute yourself if you're going to say something, because I cannot hear you. I see mouths moving, but I don't see or hear anything. So if you're going to say something, unmute. I'm not taking. I'm not telling you to posket. I'm saying, what do you know? What have you heard? What's out there, right? There's no wrong answer in this point because I'm not asking you to take a position. I'm asking you to tell me what you know, or what you've heard.
Okay, good, right? So one of the cases improves someone's moral category. Now, what's ca character? Now, what's the justification? Right? Why is that permitted? Okay, good. Right. So Vasher Weiss has this uh, this position that it is based in Midot um, to begin with, and therefore, um, in cases in which it is in line with good Midot to uh, to speak badly about somebody else, so then it's permitted. Now, I, though, though, of course, right. You could have gone the opposite way, right? You could have gone the opposite way, right? This was. Right, Clapper didn't make this argument as strongly this time as he did twelve years ago, right? But um, but um, but uh, right, you could make the argument the opposite, right? Which is lashon hara is based in midot, specifically your midot, right? Then maybe there is no justification, right? Because speaking badly will right, uh, even if necessary, right? Speaking badly about someone still changes your character. Right, it still can undermine your character, even if there's a justification. Right, it's like you know, lahavdil, not lahavdil, whatever. As a alderich mashal, I don't know what you want to call it. Right, the Nitziv has this uh, this celebrated comment, right, of uh, of why is it that God had to give a bracha to Pinchas of a brit shalom um, after he killed Zimri, and the Nitziv says because even though it was justified, right. Um, even justified murder changes your character, right? It makes you a more murderous person, a more, more violent person. And therefore, God had to give him a bracha of shalom to reverse the natural cruelty that would have developed even from a justified killing, right? Meaning just, right, when you're talking about me, though, just because something is legitimate, right, doesn't mean that it isn't going to shape your character, right? If you are... You know, if, if someone is an executioner and they're killing bad people every day for the court, and even if it's justified, right, that person's, uh, right, that, that might eat away at their rachmanut, uh, right, at their at their mercy a little bit, uh, a little bit, maybe more than a little bit. Um, and uh, so, right, on the one end, you could have said, well, Lashon is just about midot, and therefore it's... Uh, it's more, right? It, it's more limiting, um, right? You, you don't have to, right? And I, I, I sent a few sources or I clap. I don't know if he's gonna get to them, right? But, but several mafarshim on uh, the Gemara and Yivamot Samach Gimel argue that even when it's permitted to uh, um, to lie for the sake of peace, it's wrong to have children lie for the sake of peace. Because it will make them into liars, right? Right. Meaning, even though this act of lying is permitted, you shouldn't let kids lie for the sake of peace, because it will. Because in the end of the day, it'll make them into liars, even if it's right. Even if it was legitimate, even if that act was legitimate, right? That doesn't change the fact that it will that it will make them right into people for whom truth is not right. Of that's right. So it's so it's not clear. It's not clear, right? You could have gone from the argument saying it's just good mido to obviously it's mutter to speak because if I'm doing it for a good reason, then it's in it's wholesome, right? It's it's a wholesome expression of my mido to to tattle on someone. On the other hand, you might say no, 
right? The opposite is true. When it comes to character traits, um, sometimes just because something is justified, it, that doesn't mean it 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 um won't shape your character traits in a way we don't want them to. Now, of course, part of this might come down to the question, what is the character traits that you're trying to develop, right? If the character trait is that you don't talk about other people, right, or you're not that type of person, you're not a busybody, you're not whatever. So, you know, the more times you talk about other people, even if it's justified, the more you might violate it, right? If the... On the other hand, if the Mida is trying to develop is you don't use your words as you don't weaponize your words, right? So then maybe <coughs> it um you know, then maybe okay, right? If it's if I'm not weaponizing them, I'm using it to pr protect people, I'm actually developing the right midot. Um, you know, I you know, I, I honestly find it a little bit too glib. To just say it's about midot, so it's automatically mutter. Um, I'll add to that the fact that um, often you're speaking badly about one person to protect somebody else, right? So, like in the end of the day, right? It's not right. It's not exactly parallel to Rav Chanan Wasserman's cases, right? Rav Chanan Wasserman's cases, building of the Rambam in in Hilchot in Hilchot Nizikin, for example, right? A parent, if a parent hits a child to educate the child, right? So it's not attacking, right? But that's not how it is by Lashon Hara. I'm speaking badly about one person to protect somebody else, right? That makes it more complicated because the person you're hurting is not the person you're protecting. And that also makes it difficult to automatic, right? That also makes it difficult on a, on a, um, on a uh, character level because you really are speaking badly about someone. Right. And you right. You may not mean to hurt them, but you don't mean to help them either. Right. You're helping a third party. Right. Meaning if you're trying to improve their moral character, you're right. Then it's parallel to the father hitting the child case of Rebel Khan and Wasserman. But if you're trying to speak to protect a third party, it's not. Right. And I'm not convinced on a character level that that's really going to. Right. No, I, I no. I'm glad you said it. I'm not I'm not I, I, again. I'm, I'm not assuming at this point that you are staking out a position, right? I'm not at all, right? I, I, I wanted you to say, I wanted you to say anything so that we could sort of put it on the table, but okay, right? So you're jumping our Basher Weiss, which is some sort of construal, Rebuchan and Wasserman. Fine. Um, okay, what else do you know? But let's, right, let's take a, right, what else have you heard, right? Why did I use the word Toelet to call, right, to call this year this way? Where did I get this idea of Toelet? Yeah, where does that come from? Who 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 invented that term? Okay, well, the good get the guess would be if you had to guess. Yes. Ah, so that's the question. He definitely is the first person to use the word that way. Um, the question is whether he came up with the concept, right? So the Chavetz Chaim devotes two full chapters of Sefer Chavetz Chaim to this idea of Toelet, right? The 10th chapter of the first section of Hilchot Lashon Hara and the 9th chapter of the second section of Hilchot Rechilut, in which Chavetz Chaim comes up with this idea that Lashon Hara is permitted Toelet. Lashon Hara is permitted if it is for a benefit. So here, we're, this 
we have to analyze the Chavetz Chaim's model. <clears throat> Before I even look at the Chavetz Chaim, within that model, what questions do you do you have, right? In order to to sort of figure out what the Chaim is Chavetz Chaim is getting at, what questions do you have on this model? Okay, good. You have to define what a toilet is. Yeah, good. What, what other questions should jump to mind? Oh, that, that, yeah, okay. Where, where does it come from? Good. Um, another question, a linguistic question. When I say that something is permitted because it's Lashon Harala Toelet, does, does using that particular phrase, does it tell you something about the way the Chavetz Chaim conceptualizes this category? Ah, ah, very good, very good, a hundred percent, right? The Chavetz Chaim, I think you're right. Chavetz Chaim, and I think this is intentional. I don't think this is unintentional. I think this is what the Chavetz Chaim wants from you. The Chavetz Chaim has a category. He definitely permits speaking badly about people in certain contexts because it will bring about a benefit, a right, a justified benefit. Okay, let's let's talk very broadly. But he calls it Lashon Hara L'Toelet, which very much makes it sound like he believes that this is still Lashon Hara. Right? It's wrong, right? Meaning if you, you know, there's always this problem. I always insist with my, with my students um, as much as possible to not use the Hebrew terms because for people who are not native Hebrew speakers, right, we have this thing, right, where... Once we say it in Hebrew, it becomes jargon, and therefore, like, we don't actually think about the words we're saying, right? Right? Like, but, right, if you just say what, right, you just listen to it, it's Lashon Hara, right? It's the evil tongue, right? Meaning, there, it's charged to begin with, Litoelet, right? But for a bit, right? Meaning, there is a negative justification. There is a negative connotation there, Um. And that I think is important because the Chavetz Chaim wants you to believe that that's that that's what it is, right? That Ki'ilu Lashon Hara is the overarching category, right? Your starting point is that you should never speak badly about other people, right? So, and whenever you do, it's Lashon Hara, whether it's justified or not, it's Lashon Hara, right? Sometimes you can sort of eke out a hetter if you can define it as toelet. But as we're going to see, right, if that's your conceptualization, then you should expect, I should probably not have the door that wide open. One second. I have like the door open for air, but it's also 11 at night. Um, right? But as we'll see, that sort of uh, formulation will, let's say, require you to, to climb some mountains, to pass some hurdles um, in order to, to get ahead there, um, to in certain very shocking, shocking ways. Okay? So let's, let's explore the Chavetz Chaim's model and then see whether <coughs> there might be another model um, to think about. Okay? So 
Um, and now it's worth noting that, that as I said, the idea of Lashon Haralet or even any mention of a similar category does not appear in the Rif, does not appear in the Rambam, does not appear in the Tour, does not appear in Shulchan Aruch, um, neither does Hilchab Lashon Hara in the latter cases. Um, but, right, this is a category that the Chavetz Chaim creates, right? It, he creates. Where does he get it from? From several sources. Um, he gets it from several sources. Uh, one source that he gets it from is the category of edut, right? Um, he says, look, edut is a case in which I testify against somebody and I say something bad. He sinned. He was Michal Shabbat. Now he gets killed, right? Bad and consequences, right? Um, now, how does he know that that's Lashon Hara? Maybe you just say, oh, it's court. That's different. So he has a very clever proof which is that the Gemara in the end of Psachim, Nafkuf Yud Gimel, has, a, um, has the story of Tuvya Chata Vezigud Mangid. Right? Tuvya sins. Right, so what happens? Um, this guy comes into court, Zigud, and he testifies as a single witness against Tuvya. And the court punishes him rather than Tuvya. Because his edut is edut of an eid echad. And in criminal matters, for sure, you always need two witnesses. And therefore, his testimony was useless. And since it was useless, it was also unjustified. Right? And therefore, he's punished, to which he cries out of the unfairness of the situation, which is Tuvya Chata. Tuvya was the one who sinned, right? But Zigud, right? Zigud, who told on him, is getting punished for it. Um, so this is one of the Chavetz Chaim's proofs that you see a dut in principle is Lashon Hara, right? But it becomes justified if it is Litoelet, if it's for a benefit. However, since it will only be beneficial when there's two witnesses, not when there's one, that's why Lashon, right? If you testify with one witness, it is defined as Lashon Hara because it is Right? Because Eidot in principle is Lashon Hara, it becomes permitted if it's going to have a purpose, which is only true when you have a legal set of witnesses, or at least the potential, but if it's a single witness, then it's pointless Lashon Hara, and therefore you are the sinner, maybe the other person is also, but that the court has no way of, of knowing. That's one of the Chavetz Chaim's proofs, um, that there exists a category of Lashon Hara Letoelet, Um Another proof is from the very extended sugya in the third parak of Bhavabhatra, where the Gemara possibly equates, possibly correlates, possibly equates only for certain um, pragmatic functions, Lashon Hara with Micha'a, right? Lashon Hara with the protest that, I don't know how many of you have learned the third parak of Bhavabhatra, but third, okay, so basically, um, third parak of Bhavabhatra focuses on squatters' rights, where if someone lives in somebody's property for three years and is not challenged by the owner, he is not moche, right? He doesn't protest. So then the burden of proof um, for who owns that field shifts from the previous known owner, the holder of the original deed, uh, to uh, no, the way around, from the squatter to the person of the original deed, meaning the presumed owner is now the squatter, right? And... Um, in order to prevent that three years from happening, the owner has to be moche. He has to protest, 
And the Gemara there has an extended discussion of comparing the laws of Micha'ah to Lashon Hara. Um, now, there are some Rishonim who take it as a technicality that both Micha'ah and Lashon Hara require a certain level of publicity um, or whatever. The exception to Lashon Hara requires publicity. I don't want to get into it now. The the heter of Ba'afei Tlata. Um, and Mecha'a needs publicity, and therefore they are, they are, you can derive laws one from the other. That doesn't mean that it is Lashon Hara. However, some Rishonim believe that no, Mecha'a is in principle the same as Lashon Hara, because I'm saying that um, this person is squatting on my land, so he's a thief. Right? But it's permitted nevertheless because I'm protesting in order to keep my land, and therefore it's Lashon Hara Litoelet. Right? So the Chavetz Chaim argues that there are all, all these categories that prove that there's Lashon Hara Litoelet. The problem is that all Chavetz Chaim has proved is that there are cases in which I can speak badly about other people. He has not proven that those cases are in principle Lashon Hara. Maybe in the Eidut case, he has proof from the Gemara Psachim. Mecha'ah, he has no proof of this, right? Um, well, maybe, okay. The question left is, what, it's clearly true I can speak badly about someone in certain circumstances when it's beneficial. The question of whether the proper way of framing that is Lashon Arul Toelet and the implication the Chavetz Chaim draws from that is a different question. So with all that, let's see what he does with it, okay? I put a very lengthy piece here from the Chavetz Chaim. We're not going to read all of it. But but I want you to get a feel for the Chavetz Chaim, okay? So this is Lashon Hara Klal Yud, similar in Klal Tet, in Rechilot. He says, we're going to describe some of the, wor- the, the rules of Lashon Hara. If someone stole, if someone oppressed. When are you allowed to share this information? And there are 17 Um. Okay, so here's his rules. Aleph, if you see someone per, um, carrying out an injustice, he oppressed him, he stole from him, he damaged him. Whether or not the the damaged party knows, or he humiliated him or caused him pain. And you know he didn't pay back the money, he didn't pay for the damages. And he didn't apologize, he didn't go to him to try to write it. Even if he saw it in private. You're allowed to speak about it to protect the victim, to denigrate the actions of the sinner, but there are seven conditions that you must follow. The Elohim. And these are what they are. Aleph. You see it yourself. Not by hearsay. Unless you then verify it yourself. Bet. You need to be sure um, 
that it was wrong. First, you have to rebuke the sinner in uh, soft language. Because maybe you can improve the person um, without speaking badly about him. If he doesn't listen, then you're allowed to publicize what he did. Dalid. Don't exaggerate. Hey, you must have intent for toelet. You have to say the information for the right reasons and not because you hate him. Vav. If there's a way to bring about the good without speaking badly, then under no circumstances can you speak badly. The damage that comes to the potential uh, perpetrator cannot be worse than what they would have faced in a Jewish court. Okay? Those are his seven rules for Toelet. Now, when I read this, it very much supports what, I'm sorry, remind me your name, in the, the yes, you. Well, Jacob. Right? It really does give me the feeling what Jacob said, right, that this is Right? It's real, still Lashon Hara, meaning it's Lashon Hara, should avoid it. You know, if you can eke out a head there by checking seven boxes, the Seder, right? I'll let you do it. But it's last resort, and it's still bad, so you should minimize it, right? That's the feeling you get. Now, at first glance, at first glance, I would say, I mean, okay, what is... What's the problem with conceptualizing Lashon Hara that is, not Lashon Hara, negative information that is necessary to be shared as in this way, is Lashon Hara Latoala? What's the problem? Or is there a problem? I'm, bi- I'm biasing you. I already biased you. Okay, who's just who's who's talking? I hear a voice, a disembodied voice. <coughs> That's fine. I, I just want to know who's talking. Yeah. Okay, Rena. Yeah. Good, right? Exactly. I, I think Rina is one hundred percent right, right? Which is the problem with the Chavetz, Cha- the Chavetz Chaim's model, or okay, the reality of the Chavetz Chaim's model, and then I'll tell you in a minute why I think it's a problem, right? Is that 
when you conceptualize it this way, you're always biased to not share the information, uh, even in a case where you probably really should, right? Because because he calls it what he's really telling you is the assumption is it's usr. It's forbidden. The only way to permit it is to not to turn it into not lashanara. It's always going to be lashanara, no matter what you do, right? But it can be lashanara litoelet, right? Meaning, it's right. I know this is definitely treif. You're definitely eating treif, right? The question is in the case of pikuach nefesh. So you need to prove to me now, right, that it's pikuach nefesh for you to eat this treif food, right? Meaning it's usser. This is really usser. What you're talking about is usser. It might be mutter under the circumstances, but the burden of proof is on you. Now, let me just show you. To me, there are two extremely striking um, cases of this <coughs> that really highlight. Mm, just how dangerous um, this can be, okay? So remember, the Chavetz Chaim told you that the in order for Lashon Hara to be permitted when it's the toilet, you have to be very, very, very careful to fill, fulfill all seven conditions, right? All seven conditions. Let me pick out one that will highlight how dangerous this can be. I'll pick out two, but let me start with one. Okay, the one of the Chavetz Chaim's conditions was that in order for lashon hara lito elit to be permitted, you have to have the proper intent. Meaning, your goal has to be to protect the victim and not to hurt the perpetrator. Right. Now let me ask you a simple question. What happens if you don't like the perpetrator? You don't like him. And therefore, you do want to hurt him. Can you now save the victim? Oh, he does say. He does say. We'll see that he says. What do you think? You can't have Hana. You can't, right? You can't enjoy it. Okay, well, you, you don't have to take my word. That's what he means. Skip down to 14. Here, I put it on the screen, okay? Sheikhavain rak litoelet. Right? First of all, I don't mean a hybrid intent, right? I mean pure intent. Pure intent. So not, right? Not just, I am also interested in protecting the victim. That's not enough. Only toelet. Not because I hate the other, right, the perpetrator. Okay? Why does he think that it's not just enough to have good intent, but it has to be only good intent, right? I can't enjoy hurting the perpetrator also, 
right? Why does he think that? So this is a very, very technical discussion that he hangs this on. If you look here in footnote, in the foot, Chavazheim uh, is a bit of an organized, is a little bit weirdly organized. This is an unnumbered footnote. He has footnotes which are numbered. Those are the Be'er Mayim Chayim. This is not. This is an unnumbered footnote to Sif Yud in Hilchot Rechilot, Sif, okay? It's unnumbered, so it's just starred. But it's not the other footnotes, which are numbered. Whatever. What He says, There is a machlokes taz and sma in choshen mishpat tavchof aleph. Um, as follows, right? Shekatav Dehecha shuhu mitzad hasina ein niftar b'mashu matzil al yedeze et chavero. Right, he's talking there about striking someone. Right, if I strike someone, if I to protect someone, right, am I? Is that legitimate? Right, and am I patur for the damages that I caused? So the taz and the sma divide. Um, the taz says. Since I'm protecting the victim, right? In the end of the day, I'm protecting someone, and therefore it doesn't matter what I intend, or even if I have hybrid intent, which is how the Chavetz Chaim is taking it. Okay? Um, the Sma, on the other hand, says, no, if I also am enjoying the fact that I'm hurting the perpetrator, so then that's a problem. Okay. Now this is a now this is very right. This is very problematic, right? Because as Rev Shlomo Rosner, not Shalom Rosner, not like the YU one, Shlomo Rosner, Rev Shlomo Rosner, who wrote a commentary to the Chavetz Chaim, the Alei Be'er, somewhere on my shelf, this one, the. The Alei Be'er, he says as follows. He says, wait a second, so are you telling me, real, really, that what emerges from the Chavetz Chaim is that if I see a victim who's about to get hurt by my arch enemy, that I can't tell the victim if I'm going to enjoy right, hurting my arch enemy. My arch enemy is my arch enemy for a good reason, right? He's the type of person who hurts people, right? But I'm going to enjoy telling on him and getting him arrested or whatever the case may be, right? The Chavetz Chaim seems to say you can't do that. Now, is that plausible? Is that plausible? Did the Chavetz Chaim think that was plausible? So as Shlomo Rosner, Shlomo Rosner points out, well, 90%, yeah. 90%, yeah, the Chavetz Chaim was, did understand it that way. How do I know? Because in 16, he comes up with a solution because he also has a problem, right? Meaning, how am I supposed to do this? Right? He says, Wait, really? You're going to tell me I'm going to let the victim, <coughs> you know, get hurt or die? 
leave dying, pikuach nevesh, right? Get hurt just because I can't get over my grudge against my enemy who's the perpetrator? Really? I'm going to let the victim get hurt because I can't do it? So he could have just said, no, that's crazy. What he says instead is, Right? The obvious solution is to not feel that way. That's his solution. Force yourself to not feel that way. And he doesn't tell you what happens if you can't. He doesn't tell you what happens if you can't. Right? So, Shlomo Rosner points out that the simple implication of the time he may not mean this, but it is at some level the logical result of his conceptualization. Is if Lashon Hara is usser under all circumstances, unless you check seven boxes and you can't check one of those boxes, then the de facto, right, the assumption is it is usser. And therefore, if it's my arch enemy hurting someone and I can't get myself to not enjoy hurting my arch nemesis in the process of protecting a potential victim, since he paskins that hybrid kavana is not legitimate, right? If someone is incapable of purifying his intent, the simple understanding of Chavetz Chaim, which he never, in all of Chavetz Chaim, actually rejects, and in fact implies that he accepts, is that you have no choice but to let the victim get hurt. Because you can't speak. Now, it could be that he would never buy that, but you follow Chavetz Chaim's logic and his seeming solution to this problem, which is not, that's crazy, but force yourself to not feel that way, right? You realize he does really, really seem to believe this, um, right? He really seems to believe this. And that is a, that's a terrifying terrifying proposition right and i but i think at some level it is a logical right a logical conclusion based on 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 his his model right it it is logical it, it you know and therefore i can't tell you he definitely doesn't mean it if he didn't say anything i would say he doesn't mean it that far he does bring it up. He actually noticed the problem, right? His And his only solution is make yourself not feel that way, right? That indicates to me that he really, really believes this. Okay, let's pause for a second for questions. What do you think, right? What What do you think right now, having seen what the Chavetz Chaim himself actually seems to believe? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he says it. He, he, he said it, not me. Right? This is not even like, I didn't even extrapolate it. He says it. Right? Like, the right? Meaning, he doesn't actually say what happens if you can't force yourself. Presumably, he maybe he assumes that everyone is perfect. Fine. And leaving aside where the person's actually going to die. Because, okay, Pikuach Nefesh overrides it. Fine. I'm willing to accept that. Right? But this seems to be the way the Chavetz Chaim conceptualizes the 
legitimacy, the, 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 the rationale for speaking badly about someone to prevent bad things from happening. Okay, now, I could show you another proof of Chavetz Chaim, but let's, let's move for a second to what Rina said before. If I don't want to do this, right? Rina, right? Okay, let's say you wanted a different model. Let's say you look at this and you're like, mm, something feels, feels, feels wrong, right? There's, there's something missing here. What, right? What is it? You said it before, and I think you're 100% right. What is it that's missing? Right? What is it that's missing here? Oh, for sure. I'm 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 totally willing to believe that that's why he wrote it. But you said something else before, right? There's a pragmatic problem here. But there's also a fundamental problem. Right? There's a fundamental problem. What's the fundamental problem? You said it before and you're 100% right. What is it? Okay, good. Right? And 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 here's something that I think is often lost. This is, this, after many years of just thinking about this, at some point it hit me that this is what I think people miss. Chavetz Chaim tells you, why can I talk to prevent harm to someone? Lotam Raldam Reecha. Okay? If we have time, I'll explain how he gets, why he thinks Lotam Reecha covers cases of harm that are short of, of Pikach Nefesh. But let, let's just assume for a second that it does. Okay? He quotes that. So you might say, aha, he quotes it. But here's the interesting thing. Under normal circumstances, what does the Chavetz Chaim do to Lotan al Reacha? He sublimates it into a detail in Lashon Hara. Right? Why is it permitted to save someone by speaking badly because Lotam Adam Reacha tells me that there's an exception to Lashon Hara called Toelet, right? But that's a very bold move, which is to sublate, sublimate a mitzvah de oraita into a detail in an exception to Lashon Hara, which according to the Chavetz Chaim, in the end of the day is still only Lashon Hara, but with an eked out het there. But why would we do that, right? Well, yes. So why wouldn't we instead say, this is not a eked out heter in Lashon Hara. It's an independent value, right? That, right? Meaning, what does the Chavetz Chaim essentially do? Chavetz Chaim basically says, right, in Lumdish terminology, shave of altase adif, Right? The presumption is always that it's Lashon Hara. If you can prove that it's not Lashon Hara, then you can say it. But if you can't prove it, or you can't check all the boxes, so not speaking Lashon Hara is always the better option. But he only manages to pull that off because he's made all the potential mitzvot that might obligate you in a positive sense to speak badly, he sublimated them into an exception within Lashon Hara, which makes it that the default is always not to speak, as if that was the safe option. 
but it's not the safe option if you think that there's a counter mitzvah telling you you have to speak. Because if there's a right, if there's a counter mitzvah, so then there is no sheva al tasa adif. There are cases in which if I speak, I might violate lashon hara, but if I don't speak, I might violate lotamad alam reecha. Then there's no safe space, right? You could never have come up with the Chavetz Chaims if I don't have the proper intent, right? That only makes sense because he's thinking about it as Lashon Hara. And how do I eat out a hatter of Lashon Hara? If I said, no, I have to protect the victim because I'm biblically bound to protect the victim. I don't need to justify why I, my intent to do it. That is the mitzvah, right? Don't tell me, oh, I have the right kavana. What is the right kavana, right? I'm doing it to perform a mitzvah. I also have bad intent. Okay, so I'll work on myself. But the havamina that I wouldn't, I mean, right now, the person that everybody quotes, that often they, even the Chavetz Chaim quotes him, right? right? But I don't quite think that he understood that this is not the same as what he was doing. I don't think it is anyways, is the Pitchei Tshuva. Now, this is a little bit interesting. It's not the same Pitchei Tshuva that you're used to. Um, which is a little bit confusing, right? The standard Pitchei Tshuva, which is found on the other Chalakim of Shulchan Aruch besides for Arachayim, is written by Rav Avram Eisenstadt, right? That's the one you'll find in your standard Shulchan Aruch. But in Arachayim, it's not. It's written by, um, right? It's written by Israel Israelim. Um, yeah, yeah, go, go. <clears throat> ah, okay. So, so, okay. So, so, right. So, so here's my question Are you making a halachic point or a rhetorical point? I know, but, but are you making a halach, meaning, are you saying that the, the Chavetz Chaim framed it this way because he believed in it halachically? Or are you saying that he framed it this way because even though it's not really true that, right, that it's Lashon Har, right, meaning rhetorically it's powerful to get people to really take Lashon Hara seriously by calling it Lashon Hara right? I mean, what you're saying is maybe he doesn't really believe this, but rhetorically it's very powerful to frame it in such a way that people always feel like even when it's justified, they have to contend with Lashon Hara. So it's a powerful rhetorical move, but it's not a power, but it's not really what he means halachically, right? Well, so he, he extensively talks about that in this book. The amazing thing is that even in this book where he extensively talks about it, he still comes to this conclusion, right? Um, right? That's, that's what's amazing. Now, he even quotes the source that I'm about to look at. But I, let, let's look at the next source, and I want to show you a few sources to show you 
again, it could be, and one of my teachers once made this point to me, Schreiber, that like I, I showed him, you know, my analysis of this and he's like, you know, do you think that by doing what you're about to do, you weaken people's, um, right, commitment to not speak Lashonara? I said, I don't know. Right, right. Meaning, you're right. At some level, rhetorically, there's a lot of power to what Chavetz Chaim does. I, I agree with that. But, but let me let me show you a different rhetorical move. Okay, halachic rhetorical model. Okay. What? I mean, sure, but I think he goes farther than that, meaning he doesn't just do that, right? Because he frames it specifically as right? he sublimates it into toelet, right? Meaning, right, what you're doing is even, I think, is less, it's on the same sort of trajectory, but on the same continuum, but a less extreme model of what he actually does. Um, look, let, let me show you, let me show you why I think that this is the case in the Chavetz Chaim, but first let me present the other model, right? And then let's, let me show you one more case in the Chavetz Chaim, and then we'll come back to it, okay? The Pirchei Tshuva, and this is quoted in many, many, many sources, including the Chavetz Chaim himself, though I, I like I said, I, I honestly do not know how he squares this particular formulation with his formulation. Pirchei Tshuva says as follows. I want to talk in the opposite direction. Shiesh. Hmm. I'm sorry, I cut off part of it. Um, it's fine. The main point is here, but he, um, yeah, the first half of this is is actually, I mean, it's important rhetorically. Not halachically, it doesn't change it, but rhetorically, it's important that he, um, in the first part of it, he says that. He's seen the Bali Musar who are Marish et Ha'olam. One second, here. One second. Let me let me let me try to pull it up. One second. In the original. There we go. Let's see. No. Shinza Mahlav. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Where are we up to? Let's see. Kufnan Aleph, Kufnan Gimon, Kuf. Yeah. Okay. Let me let me do this. This way. Share screen and here we go. Okay. Fine. Here's the bit that you have inside. Fine. Vraiti lies here, lies here, po. Right? What is he mentioning here? Darashar, kol sifrei musar here, ishu ha'olam malavon lashon hara. The whole world, all these musar svarim, they just make so much noise, right? About, they've stormed the world with this prohibition of lashon hara. Va'anochi mar ish ha'olam lehipuch. Right? I am going to make the opposite storm, right? I'm going to make the opposite noise. Avon gadolmize, of a greater sin. The gam humatsu yoter, 
right? Going back on Rina's point, right? He argues also B'Betziyot. He says, this is more common, right? This is more common. Right? More common than speaking when you shouldn't is not speaking when you should. And that's the worst of the two crimes. To save the oppressed from his oppressor. <laughs> For example, if you saw someone chasing someone to kill him, right, or tunneling into his house, <laughs> you think you should not tell him because of Lashon Hara? That is a sin that is too great to bear. Because it's gr- because you are not you're standing idly by and don't just think it's when the person's life's in danger even by money it's a shavat avida who cares whether someone is tunneling into somebody's house or you see someone's servant stealing his money there or his partner, right? Just to prove to you how often this comes up. He's like, this is most of the time, right? Or someone borrowed money and didn't realize, uh, lent money and didn't realize the person doesn't pay back. Or by and someone knows he's a bad shidduch, he's a bad person. This is all part of a Shavad Avedav for turning someone's money and body. How exactly are you going to come up with these limits? Speak to this point and not more. Right? Don't exaggerate. Uh, be careful. Right? Right? Be very careful. Not an extra word. He's right. The Pithrei Juba says, what are you talking about? Right? This is the rule. Shadavar Masur Right? If your point is to hurt someone, okay. It is a great um, mitzvah to protect him. Right? To protect him. Right? Now, rhetorically and halachically, you read the, the Pithchei Tshuva. <clears throat> if you really wanted to, you could shove this into toilet, which is what the Chavetz Chaim himself does, if you really wanted to. But I don't think that's a careful read, and it's definitely not giving enough respect to the power, the halachic power of rhetoric. Right? Right? Because that's not what he wants you to think. Right? He goes out of his way to tell you that what he does not want you to think is that this is Lashon Hara, but, right? Because he says, because then you start to got it thinking exactly the Chavetz Chaim. What exactly is the limit? What exactly can I say? He doesn't want you to be thinking that way, right? Because that's a problem, right? Because that's dangerous. Because that's not what's going on here. This isn't a het there that you eked out in Lashon Hara, Right? There's an independent series of biblical mitzvot that mandate that you protect people in any way you know how, including through speech. 
right? And when he tells you the Balimusar or Marishat Ha'olam are making noise about Lashon Hara, and I'm going to make noise in the opposite direction, right? He's telling you, I don't want you to think that way, right? That's the wrong way of conceptualizing this, right? There is no safe space. When you're supposed to protect people, he, at the very least, it's an equal danger. I might violate Lashon Hara or I might violate Lotam Adam but he doesn't even think that, right? He thinks the burden of proof is the opposite. Assume that when someone is in danger, that there's a mitzvah to protect them, unless proven otherwise, right? Right, because he says it's the greater of the mitzvah, right? He's he's quite clear in 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 what he's doing, and how this is very much not the the Chavetz Chaim's Ladati model, because he's not eking out a heter. He's telling you <coughs> that there's a positive value to speaking this information. Now. We saw one case where this might, you know, come up, which is the question we saw of what if you can't have the right intent, right? But let me show you another one, okay? Gemara here in number nine, and this is one of the classic sources for Toelet, but I want you to see what it says and then figure out what the Chavetz Chaim wanted from it, okay? This is a Gemara in Nida Daf Samach Aleph. Gemara says, Tana, hu abor shemile yishmael bin nitanya chalalim. Okay, so after Gedalia is assassinated, the Pasuk describes the pit in which the bodies of Gedalia and his men who were killed as part of the assassination by Ishmael ben Netanya, right, as the corpses that were hit by Gedalia. Gemara says, V'chi Gedalia haragan, halo Ishmael haragan. <laughs> That's victim blaming if there ever was, right? What are you talking about, right? Gedalia got killed. He didn't kill, right? D please. He says, no, he did kill them. <laughs> he was warned and didn't take the warning seriously. It's as if the Torah considers it as if he killed them. Amarava. Rava says, Hi Lishnabisha. Afabidil Kabule Lomi boy. Mechlishlaimi boy. Even though you're not supposed to accept such Lashanhara like this, you should be worried about it. Meaning take precautions. You, right? If someone says he's trying to kill you, you don't have to believe him, right? But you should, just in case, right, you should take precautions. Okay? There were these people in the Galil who there was a the rumor was out that they were murder murderers. They came to Ritarfon Amrule Litamrun Mar. Hide us. Amr Lehui said, Hey what am I supposed to do? He said, well, what am I supposed to do? Right? I can't not help you because, you know, the Romans will find you. It'll be bad. And I don't know if you're guilty, but I can't hide you either because, you know, you might actually be murderers, right? So why don't you guys go hide yourself, Right? I won't turn you in because I don't believe in it, 
right? But I won't hide you either, right? Okay, fine. In this Gemara, it's pretty clear that when your own life is in danger and you hear information that could protect you, right? You are allowed to take precautions, right? Right? You don't, you shouldn't believe it, but you can take precautions. So now let me ask you a very simple question. What if it's not your life, it's somebody else's life? Doubtful information, right? Doubtful information that would protect somebody else. Are you allowed to share it with the other person? Good, right? Thank you. It seems to be explicit in the Gemara that the same is true for other people because the whole anchor of this Gemara is that Gedalia isn't just responsible for himself, he's responsible for the death of other people, right? Right, which means that you're allowed to take precautions not just for yourself, but for others, right? Presumably, that implies even if you have to tell them about your concerns, right? That is the almost obvious conclusion of this Gemara. Even though, I guess, technically, you could get out of it by saying Gedalia could have protected his men without telling them what was going on. Okay, fine. But eh, pretty strong implication. The Madana Yom Tov on the Rush makes this quite clear. Right? And he says, Obviously, whatever is true for you is true for others. Why should they be different? Just like you have to worry about damage to yourself, you have to worry about damage to others. Right? You know, love others like yourself, that thing. Right? Besides, the whole point of this Gemara is that Gedalia is responsible for the death of others. Right? Great. That's almost the only way you can read the Gemara. Guess who doesn't read the Gemara that way? Wild guess there. And it is the, one of the most shocking passages in all of Chavetz Chaim, which... If the other one didn't make me, didn't convince me that Chavetz Chaim was, there had to be another way, this one is even worse. Okay? This one is, is even worse. One second. Um, just find the line. Yeah. Here we go. Sorry, let me share the screen again. <sighs> this is where it gets really messy. Uh, okay. Chavetz Chaim says as follows.
Chavetz Chaim says, what happens if the person, the potential victim, not you, someone else, will not listen to the rules of Lashon Hara and will believe the information rather than just take precautions? Okay, that's how he gets to this question. Yeah? Here he says, Aval im you see that they're going to accept it as truth. And they're going to hurt or embarrass the person, right? Understand this, right? The possibility here is he might embarrass the, right? <laughs> and God forbid, this will lead to machloket, besides for damage. You can say nothing. And again, this is amazing. He quotes the Madana Yomtov, who says the reason you have to care about other people is because of a half recha kamocha. Right, just like I'm worried about myself, I worry about others. Right? He says that only if they won't believe it. But if they're going to believe it, you cannot reveal it. Why? What? The, it's the, the case. In this case. Right? In this case. In that which is being dealt with. Right? Presumably the potential perpetrator. He says, Because I have to love both of them. The imkain my chazit the dama dezet sumaktve dilma dama dezet sumaktve. And who says that the blood of the victim is redder than the the blood of the potential perpetrator? So what the Chavetz Chaim says is, for myself, right, I can act on this. For somebody else, if I know he won't act on it, then I can share it. But if he will act on it, even if all he's going to do is embarrass him, right? This is the Chavetz Chaim, right? Not mine, right? I can't share it, right? Because the potential embarrassment to the perpetrator is worse, right? Or at least equal to the damage to the potential victim. And therefore, in such a case, I have to let the damage happened. Exactly as I was arguing. Because now, Rechilud is back in place. Right? Rechilud is now back in place. And therefore, even though there's a potential victim, the law of Rechilud trumps because of my, right, of because dama right me yemer the dama the high gavra sumak tfei, because who says that his blood right now, you could say the chavetz chaim only means where I worry that the potential victim is going to hurt the perpetrator disproportionately, in which case his life is in danger, right? You could, but again, if you follow what he actually says, 
His problem is that he's going to be mikabel it, right? He's going to accept it. And when he lists the things he might do, it's not that he might retaliate out of proportion. He might retaliate at all, including embarrassment, right? Where the implication is, even if I could protect someone from damage, at the concern of potential embarrassment to somebody else, I can't, right? I can't do that. Now, again, you can say that's not what he means, right? Right? But that's what he says, right? Right? And he says, even right even if it's doubtful right even if it's sorry even if it's it's 50 50 right with right? And it's even worse because sometimes he will carry out more than is called for. But he says that only later, right? Meaning this is true even before he gets to the point where he says the victim might do more to the perpetrator than is called for. That's just icing on the cake. Even before he assumes he's going to do more than what is called for, he already prohibits it. Right? Right? He's saying, meaning that's a second argument. Right, a second level to this is he might do worse, but even if he wouldn't do worse, even if he did exactly what's called for, right? It is asur, right? Now he could have just said, right? Look, I have an obligation to protect the guy, and he has a protection, and the potential victim has a responsibility to not hurt anybody, right? But that's not what he wants. He wants you to be certain that the potential victim will not believe the information and damage the perpetrator, presumably, sounds like, in any way, even within the realm of justice, right? Because beyond the realm of justice is, it, is icing on the cake, right? Yeah, go, please. Right. So 
right. The problem here now clearly, right? The Chavetz Chaim is work functioning in a case of doubt. That's for sure. Right, that we know, right? But what level doubt? Right? It's not a chashash ba'alma. Right? He tells you it's not a chashash ba'alma. Right? He says even a safek shakul. Right? Meaning, right? It's right potentially at least, right? It, right? I, I can't put. I can't prove more than that. Right? But even for him, if there's a fifty percent chance that this is going to happen, which you know is pretty high, right? Meaning fifty is. It's a sevega shakul, right? Meaning it's still in every other area of halacha is something where I have to be choshesh, right? According to all shitot, right? It's not a miut. Well, that he doesn't say either, right? <coughs> Well, first, let's start with the exegetical point, right? He doesn't say what you said, right? He says, right? He sees from context, right? It seems to him, right? Right? He's not, right? Meaning, remember, you're, you're right. You're assuming there's a, there's a vada. There's no vada. He's saying, I sort of think, right? Contextually, it seems likely to me that the person will do something. Right. Um, right, and he says, right. All he needs is yaziku o yevayshu, because then he adds upeamim yachol liot shemavada hezek yisobev od mizeh. Right, right, and it might cause machlok, but that's a second. Right, meaning his first. Right, even if right, sufficient for him is that I think it's likely that the potential victim will harm. Or embarrass the person who might hurt him. Right? Now, the problem is, right, from context, right, from context, where he's quoting the Gedali Gemara, he's quoting the Madana Yom Tov on the Gedali Gemara, right? The potential damage to the victim seems to be a high level. Because even if you don't think it's death, right? That's the source of this discussion, right? Of both, right? Of the Gemara and the Madana Yom Tov that he's ostensibly quoting, right? And he's willing to negate what, at least in context, seems like a high-level harm on the threat that the potential victim will be Mivayesh, the perpetrator, right? That's the concern he puts down. Now, you can... Right, you can read into the Chavetz Chaim that despite the fact that he's quoting the Gemara and despite the fact that he's quoting the Madani Yom Tov and working within the Madani Yom Tov on the Gedalia Gemara, right, that he's not talking about anything that's that extreme, right, and that's what this all hangs on, right, is that he's worried, right, because I think we all I would share the following intuition, right, which is if I hear someone saying, you know, aha, I, uh, right, I heard Ruvain say that he's really intrigued by the idea that stealing pachot mishavepruta, right, is not really theft. And he's thinking that he might want to try it out 
just for the halachic thrill. So he's thinking of stealing a penny from that hothead over there, Shimon. And Shimon in the past has been known that every time anyone does anyone anything against him, he beats him with an inch of his life, right? <laughs> I think most people would have an intuition that the damage, even if it actually happens, is negligible, right? And the potential counter damage, which is also likely, is far out of proportion, right? So maybe there, if I want to be really good, I should, you know, stand guard on Ruven and make sure he doesn't, you know, enjoy the halakhic thrill of stealing a pachot mishavar pruta. Fine. But that's not the case that the Chavetz Chaim addresses. He's addressing the Gedalia Gemara, in which the case is death, right? In the, which the case is death, right? Rhetorically, by invoking the Gedalia Gemara and the Madana Yom Tov on the Gedalia Gemara and saying that your concern is he might mivayesh the perpetrator, even if you take it down several notches from Gedal, right? <laughs> from actual Pikuach Nefesh, because I'm not willing to, I'm not willing to assume that the Chavetz Chaim is willing to play with Pikuach Nefesh. I'm, I'm not, I'm, okay? Let's leave that out of the equation, right? But rhetorically, when that's your starting Gemara, and you, right, he said, right, the model is Gedalia, and, but I can't share it if I'm Choshesh to be, because he's going to embarrass the perpetrator. He doesn't even say Nezek. Oh, if I shoo, right? And Mosef Chavad al-Pesha, it'll cause Machloket, right? Right? But Machloket is beyond that. And the possibility of disproportionality comes 10 lines later, right? I think the Chavetz Chaim himself believes that more radical thesis. The only thing for me that leads, the only reason not to say that in the Chavetz Chaim for me linguistically is the Mai Chazit Dama Dahai, right? Sumak right? Is some right? Is if if he really means that literally, so that might counter this read, which is to say, no, his problem is that he's worried, right? He doesn't know whether it's true that Ruben is going to punch Shimon, but he knows that if the only way for Shimon to stop Ruben is to punch him back, so now I'm playing with a potential punch from Ruben to Shimon, a potential punch from Shimon to Ruben, and I can't be party to contributing to that, right? If I focused only on that line. Right, then you're right. His problem, because that, right, is not crazy, which is to say, look, I don't know whether Ruven actually is going to punch Shimon, but I know that if I tell Shimon that Ruven might punch him, Shimon will punch him. And now I'm stuck at the question of should I, right, try to protect Shimon or try to protect Ruven, who I don't know that he's a perpetrator, right? So, there, if you just read that line, I would say I might even share that intuition. But to start with the Gedalia Gemara, right, as your anchor, and then say, and he might be Mivayishim, you're assuming that he has, right, eliminated the gravity of that situation by the time he makes his point.
See, well, okay. So wait, so wait, look. There's there's two questions there again, right? There's the there's the there's the conceptual question. There's the question: What does the Chavetz Chaim mean, right? Right. Again, I think the Chavetz Chaim means that, right? One more point is that, in the end of the day, if he meant what you said, he should have said, "My Chazid the Dama the High right says to Maktvei, right? And therefore, I have a losamod on both." Right? I have to protect both. He doesn't. He says, Right? Right? The problem for him is that it's Lashon Hara. That's the problem. Right? He could have said, it's right? Which is what you would expect him to say, which is, Why? Because it's Losamod on him and Losamod on him. I'm trying to protect Reuben and I'm trying to protect Shimon. He doesn't. He says, the problem is Choser Lavder Achilur al Mekomo. The once I don't have the justification, it's Lashon Hara. And for him, that's the problem. Right? You could have justified a similar position by saying it's low, right? You have to protect Ruven and Shimon. But he doesn't. Right? He says the problem is Choser Lavder Achilur al Mekomo. You can say he doesn't mean it, right? But Because I don't think you believe that either. I think you believe that the potential problem here is you have to protect Reuven and protect Shimon, not that it's Lashon Hara, right? That's not the problem, right? Now, you could you could play games and you could say, well, Lashon Hara in the Rambam is intrinsically linked to Nezek, so maybe that's really what he means, right? You could play games. You could. Yes, correct. Correct. Now, again, right, historically, right, obviously the, the Pitchei Tshuva here is not commenting on the Chavetz Chaim, but he's commenting on people who clearly believe that, right? I think Chavetz Chaim falls in that school, Right? But put it this way, if it's not the Chavetz Chaim, but I think it is, right? The Pilchei Tshuva is telling you that there is a school that, even though it's wrong, right, and seems weird, believed that, right? He's telling you that there is a whole world that believes exactly what you just said, right? Hmm. <laughs> 
right? So presumably, right, if it was only a question of losamod, losamod, right? Either or whatever, right? Losamod, lifnev, whatever, right? Presumably, there has to be some discussion of proportionality, right? Meaning I need to protect both Reuven and Shimon, and I need to protect Reuven and Shimon from potential sins, right? There's potential lifnev on both sides, there's potential losamod on both sides, right? But if I have to proactively protect someone, right, so then that has to mean I have to, right, you have to reasonably try to protect um, a victim without hurting, right, a, turning someone else into a potential victim, right? That's, that's what you've got to figure out, right? Presumably the best – well – I think it would depend, that, and that's where I think proportionality would come in, right? Where I think you could say Sheva al if it's a penny versus, right, a beating, right? But is it obvious to you, right, that, I mean, it's not obvious to me, right, that the same would be true where the damage to Shimon would ostensibly be greater than that which he might do to Ruvain, right? Right, meaning to take the Chavetz Chaims, I can't imagine that if I think, right, I know Ruvain might, is, might beat up Shimon tomorrow and Shimon might retaliate in advance by telling the principal or yelling at him, right? Right, if I'm yelling at him, let's just take his case, Mimavayashim, right, which is, right, why do you hate me so much and say that in the middle of the playground, right? Right, I can't imagine that for the Chavitz, for in a Lotamod world, if there's a reasonable threat, right, which is what he's talking about, right. At least, well, let's at least take that case, right. Isolate that case, right. Reasonable threat that Reuven is going to beat Shimon, and I know that Shimon's not a physical person; he's not going to retaliate that way. But he has a hot temper and might yell at him, and might yell at him in a public place. Right, right, right. We could start, we could quibble, and we could come to places where... No, that's uh, so right because it look, it's definitely right. 
I mean, obviously, in, in its in paradigmatic case of pikuach nevesh, the answer is yes, right? Correct. So, right. So I think here it's going to, my guess, right, is that the answer is going to come down to why, what exactly the conceptual, right, what exactly we get from the fact that Losamad al is expanded, right, beyond Pikuach Nefesh. Like, what does that do? I mean, what, do you, what happens when you have an Isser, which in its paradigmatic form is Pikuach Nefesh, right, but has been expanded beyond that? Right? Presumably, again, no, 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 all right. So presumably, right, presumably the answer is it will be doche, certainly surim. The question is what? I think it would probably be doche, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know, right? I, I don't know firmly, but I, I think it would be doche even other isurim. Which isurim is an interesting question. And which Losamot is an interesting question, right? Meaning, I think that, you know, at some level, you know, okay, I'll, I'll do this briefly, right? Because Baruch Hashem, this took a long time, but it's fine. I, this is why I gave you a long story sheet. I did not expect to read all of it. Um, right, how, what? Right, so, so, so how, right, how expansive is Losamot, right? Let's, 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 right, let's get to it, right? So, why is it that I'm invoking Lotamod in this way? So, right, this stalls, starts at basically at 18, right? Meaning in the Gemara, Lotamod is invoked, standing by literally when someone's drowning, right? By Pikuach Nefesh, right? That's the Gemara in Sanhedrin, um, right? That's the Gemara in Sanhedrin, I'm Gimel. But, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not sharing the screen, but let me, let me do that. Um... Right now, how do we expand it? So this is a, this is this analysis, if you want, in full, is in the Yad Ephraim, his first chuba. Um, so it goes like this, right? The Sifra says, "Uminayinshim atayodea lo edut enata rashay lishtok alea tamudlomar lo tamudal damreyecha." Right. The Sifra adds. That if I have testimony against somebody else, uh, for somebody else, I can't be silent because of Lotamar al Damriacha. Okay? Now this creates problems. <laughs> because the classic case is the next one. Right? Etc. So, what does that tell you about Lotamar? So, certain Rishonim just don't have this girsa. So you don't have to deal with it. Right? And we have no evidence one way or the other. And this, for example, if you look in 20, the Gersa, the Smog, and the Sifra doesn't have this at all. The Rambam in the Sefer HaMitzvot, however, does. And the Rambam in, in, in the Sefer HaMitzvot, this, this analysis is partially from the Yad all from the Yad Ephraim, but the Chavetz Chaim does a good amount of it also. Um, it says, HaMitzvah Reisadzi Zayin, Hushe Zarnu Milit Rashel, Batzal Nefesh Acham Yisrael, Kshinir B'Sakanad HaMavet, Oh HaHefsed. Right, it's either his life is in danger or he has loss. Right, fine. Um, and then three lines out. 
עדות, תכלו גם כן זאת האזהרה, כי הוא רואה ממון חברו עובד, והוא יכול להחזירו אליו באמרו האמת. הוא כבר בא בזה העניין גם כן, etc. Right? Right? This is addition to the שבועה problem. Right? This is not שבועה עדות. He says that's only, right, independent of the question of whether he asks me for it. Right? This is what the Yad Ephraim points out. Is that what emerges from the Sifra is that the only reason that Right, the, the halacha that someone has to ask me for edut is only a, a, right, a law in Karban, right? Because of Shura Eidut. But it's not about the fundamental obligation. Fundamental obligation to offer edut when I can help someone with my edut is, right, is, is from Lotamal, right? According to the Sifra, which the Rambam quotes. <coughs> the Rambam does not quote it in the Mishnah Torah. Um, and the question is, <coughs> is why not? So one way is to say he rejects it. Um, many achronim, minchas chinuch, chavetz chaim, assume that the Rambam does not reject it. Um, he just doesn't quote it for a technical reason, um, which is that um, in many cases, my edut is not helpful. Right? In order, the only time in which I can protect someone else is if, back to the Tuvia Gemara, is if I have two Eidim. And therefore, just because I, as an individual, know Eidot that can protect someone monetarily does not obligate me to testify because I can't. Right? That doesn't mean in principle, right? So the Chavetz Chaim and the Minchat Chinuch both argue that, in principle, even the Ramam and the Mishnah Torah still accepts the idea that Lotamod can be extended to money, right? I once heard from somebody, but I don't know where, right? That, and I know, I saw, I, I have this in my in my tshuva that I wrote that first summer, right? I think I probably heard it from Shechter or something in one of his Parsha Shirem, right? Um, that the Rav suggested an etymological basis for this, right? Which is that dam can also be related to damim, which means money and not just blood, Right? That has no halachic significance, but it's cute. Fine. Um, so you have here two possibilities, right? That Lotamot is limited to pikuach nefesh, or it's expanded even to money. Or a third possibility, which is um, the Meshachachma, um, which is, one second, in 22. He argues that the testimony in question in the Sifra is not monetary testimony. It's edut nifashot. But then, so right, so you could have just said that it's, um, right, Lotamot is limited only to mamash pikuach nefesh, but he doesn't seem to believe that uh, either. Um, and he says, one second... Um, one second. No, sorry, it's not here. It's in. I think it's in the Yada Frame, which I didn't give you. Yeah, I didn't give you Yad Ephraim, right? Where he says maybe even that position would would acknowledge like severe bodily harm short of death 
would still be there. Okay, right? You could you could uh, you could tweak it, right? If it was, I have my Barilon open, I can pull it up for a second. One second, do I have it open? Yeah, I do. Uh, where'd it go? Too many things open. Um, Yad Ephraim Aleph. Yad Ephraim. Aleph. Uh, here. Um, yeah. So, one second. Yeah, right? Where he says that, right, even within the Meshachachma, that it's not, whether it's the Meshachachma or him, whatever, we can put it as a model, that it's only Misukha Tzalat Nevashot, O Minizke Haguf Vechulei. Dvarim shem begeder dam reecha, right? What? Yeah, yeah. Fine. But but let's say you accept the Yad Ephraim or you accept the Rambam, right? In the mission in the Sefer Mitzvah. So I have to believe, I th I think, <laughs> that the fact that it is derived from a prohibition which or a mitzvah, whatever, however you want to look at it, a prohibition that in its context is pikuach nefesh, tells you that lo ta'amod will override other isurim, right? Because it is somehow in the same, literally in the same parsha, right? The same pasuk, derived from the same pasuk of pikuach nefesh, right? Now, it may not rise to actual pikuach nefesh, but presumably it has right? More power than a regular love. Now, monetary cases, maybe not, because in money in general, we assume the Surim are more than, right? But bodily harm, right? Bodily harm, we have plenty of evidence in general, right? Meaning, right? even right? Is a relevant category when you're dealing with the Surim, right? A relevant category. It's not Doha everything, right? But it's not, but it's not not Doha, right? Either. Right? And presumably, Lotam. Well, that's a huge machloket. Right? Right? Meaning that's an extensive discussion in, uh, in the. In the Chuvat Binyan Shlomo. Ramosha has a Chuva. Ravasha Weiss has an, ex has an exhaustive Chuva on the topic. Right? Um, right? Where you have. Right? You have the range. Right? Meaning you have the Gaonim who are quite extreme. Right, but they don't even need, right? Chole, right? They actually think mitzayer as a category, right? The Avicham Wasserman points this out that the Gaonim have a right even lower cat. They, they think mitzayer is a p'tur and kolatarakula, and if you have a headache when you daven, it right, you, you can be p'tur from davening forever. And if doing shtayim mikra gives you a headache, you're p'tur shtayim mikra. It's very weird. <laughs> Fine. But uh, it's a very weird series of chuvot. Um, but yes, mostly essays. You're right; they have relevance in in, in primarily in essays. That's where it's normally brought in to a mitzvot. But I have no problem saying that a derivative of a, of a mitzvah that itself is in its paradigmatic form, pikuach um, nefesh, is going to at least have relevance. Right? Again, I I can't pin down what it is. I I don't know. Right? Meaning, but do you think? 
I, I look intuitively. Do I think that you could wear shotnas to protect someone from being right, having all his limbs right, right, all his bones broken, right, beaten within an inch of his life in a case where I could be sure he wouldn't actually die, right? My intuition is yes, that's mutter, right. My intuition is that's mutter. I, I, I don't know. I don't know offhand of a source that says that that's mutter, but my intuition is that that's mutter, right? That I don't have to. Right, let someone. What? So, right, that's the problem, right? In the Gemara has a stira in in terms of whether we treat isurin da right isurin da all the same, whether the isurin lav or isurin mita or not, right? That's a stira in the Gemara, right? Because on the one hand, you might say, well, it's all da so why am I saying that? On the other hand, right, we do. Right. Um, look, in the end of the day, even on Shabbat, right, we, we have certain Avarim where we we say that Hatzalat Ev right Aver is Pikuach Nefesh. Fine, so fine. So you want to cheat here and say they're being beaten to the point where you're not actually gonna do that. Right. I, I again I don't know, right? I, I don't know the line, but my intuition is that there is, right? That again, I'd have to formalize it, right? And I'd and I need proof, right? But my intuition is yes, right? Right, so so right, so the, look, the Pirchei Tshuva's intuition is that Hashavat Aveda overrides Zilterech Rachil also, right? I mean, he explicitly formulates saving someone's money as Hashavat Aveda, not lo, right, lo, not Lotamod, right, and still says that it's obvious that it is more important, right, than Lotelech Rachil, right. Correct. And I think that in the end of the day, right, look, here's the thing. In the end of the day, I think that the Pitre Tshuva and that whole school, right, fundamentally have an intuition that Lashon Hara is different, right, along Revel Hanan lines. I don't know whether they think that's true of all Benan Lachaveras. I don't know, right? Meaning Revel Hanan, right, himself references, right, meaning in the end of the day, he's a student of the Chavetz Chaim. So how much he's influenced by the Chavetz Chaim on this point, right? I've wondered before, right? 
right? Especially because, right, in Kovet Shurim, he explicitly leaves that as a Tzarech Iyun, right? We did this, right? Right? Yeah. Correct. Yes. Right. Right, meaning, look, the, the, the Kavana case is where I think that's obvious, right? right? It can't be that I can't protect someone because I can't do it for the right reasons if it's Hutra. That's Dehuya, right? We, 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 can, we can play with it, but I, I think that Chavetz Chaim doesn't work with a Hutra. How we get to Hutra, right, now, is it, right, is what drives the Pitre Tshuva Ude'imei in intuition about the relative unimportance of Lashon Hara or the in intuitive model, right, which is possible, right, or a prime of, an intuitive prime of place to Lotamod, possible, or an intuition like Revel Hanan, right, which is not that Lashon Hara is weak, but that it's definitionally not this, right, I don't know which one it is, but all of those are not Dechuya, right? There's a Hutra there, right? And, you know, Rav Luchensin used to distinguish within, right, not Hutra versus Dechuya, but what he called Hutra, Dechuya, and Lonemra, right? Right? Where where Lonemra is, right, he, he argued like the Ramban on, on Ochel Nefesh is not Hutra, it's Lonemra, right? Is there only 33 Malachot on, on Yom Tov, not 39? Right? It's not that it's hutter, or it's not hutra, it's not a malacha, it's malachat, right? It's malachat, it's malacha, and not malacha, it's malachat avodah's asr, malacha's not asr. Whether you like it or not, right? <coughs> right, because now now you're saying that it's not a Lush and Hara problem. It's hey, I have to protect Ruving because I don't know that he's guilty. I have to protect Shimon. No, it's not. No, 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 no. Not, but no, those are two models, right? We're saying in the Hutra model, right? In the Hutra model, i.e. Revolchana, and you'll say, look, I'm not doing it to hurt anybody. Shimon might be hurt, want to hurt Ruvain, but I'm doing it to protect Shimon. No, 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 no. In No, I'm... The, the, the act, meaning, no, the, the, well, 
see intent we're, intent means two different things here right one is meaning what am i right what am i meaning there are two things going on in intent one is what am i trying to do the other is the high right the chavetz chaim is particular it's one thing to say that you need the proper intent it's another thing to say you can't have negative intent and a hybrid intent is going to forbid it right in a hutra model you definitely can't have the second right that makes no sense meaning i'm doing it for the right reason right i'm doing it for los amos right whether in a hutra model right but to say that i need to be doing it to protect ruvain right you can say that in intent or you can just say i have to be that has to be the definition of my act i'm protecting ruvain right i'm trying to protect ruvain i mean that's what i'm doing right i'm not right i mean that's what i'm trying to do right i'm No. I mean, right? Assuming you're acknowledging that you're right, assuming that you're aware of the fact that you're protecting Ruvain, right? And that's part of the well. I don't know if you need, or I, I you know, I, I will, I will suffice here with cognizance. I don't think I need right motivation. Meaning, right, I'm thinking of it the way the Chazanish thinks of, of right, Derech Hatzalah, right? Right, the Chazanish in his, right, trolley, trolley cases, right, comes up with this idea. It's not really about intent, right? It, meaning intent might be part of it, but it's really about the definition of my act, right? In the end of the day, what I'm doing now is, right, yeah. Yeah, that that's how I'm thinking of it. Yes, in the Chavitz, in in the Chazanish's model. Yeah. Right. There's probably a level of motivation of, of Rebel Hunter in it, sure. Right, well, that's where I think, right, meaning it's not purely, right, and that's why I keep pushing. I don't know the exact line. You're right, my intuition is weaker, but like I said, the fact that Lotamut is derived from a case of Shapikoach Nefesh, right, leads me to believe that there is a case in which it will play into Ben Adam Lamakums also. But because not all Ben Adam Lamakums, right, e right, bend um, equally, it's a less, right, there's, 
my intuition is there is such a case. I mean, it's not pure Rulchanan because I think Rulchanan would, if you only had Rulchanan and not Losamod, and its derivative nature from a case of Pikuach Nevesh, I don't think you'd have any room to play with Minadam Lamakovs, right? I don't think that's true. I just don't know where it is. Meaning intuitively, I... What? Okay. I mean, look, I'm not, uh, one second, I mean, just, right, meaning I'm not, I mean, are you, right, are you convinced of, of Rabbi Yosef Engel's claim that all Ben Adam Lachaveros are consequentialists and all Ben Adam Lamakoms are not, right, are, are you, I'm, I don't know if I'm convinced by that, right, meaning the, the radical version of that Right, the radical version of it, which is quite radical, is is the Radbaz, um, who says that all the rules of Akira Davar only work by Ben Adam Lamakom and not by Adam Lachavero. Right, right, because right, essentially God can uh, right, right, God can make those cheshbonot, but I can't make that consequentialist cheshbon for somebody else. Right. Yeah, meaning I just don't think, right, meaning I don't think that, right, meaning I have no problem saying that, meaning, sure, Kovod Abriot is one data point there, sure, but it's not the only data point, right, in it, meaning we know that that's, right, we we, we know that Ben Adam, right, right, Lamakoms will bend, right, not just for, right, not just for Kovod Abriot, but sure, Kovod Abriot is the locus class, classicus, right, where, right, Right, which as look as Rulochonstein, look Rulochonstein very compellingly argues that right you misunderstand the sugi if you don't pay attention to rhetoric, right, right. Rulochonstein is very into this idea, right, that if it the fact that it didn't just say that Godol right derabanan, right, means that even if in practice that all it ever right that's all it formally means, right, in terms of the way it shapes the way you think about halacha, right? More generally, the rhetoric is meant to shape, right? Is is meant to, <coughs> um, right? Is meant to shape the way you think about halacha. This is a factor in it, right? That's why the Gemara frames it rhetorically that way, even though it doesn't mean it. Boom. <laughs> 
Right. Look, the, uh, I'll just throw out that the other model to do it, and this I really didn't develop here, but I, I think I did in what I sent you, right, is all the is the fact that Lotamanol Damreach and Lashonara are paired, right? So there is an, right, so in the Pasuk. So there is a Parshanut model, which is to say, yes, Lashonara is unique in that way, that it's, that it, that it is, right, that Lotamod is a quality, right, right, Lotamod always wins out, right? It's as if, right, Lotelech Rachil, unless, right, never forget that there's an overarching value called Lotamod al Damreacha, right? So there is, a, there is an argument to be made that it's a localized, as do many of the Mepharshim, but yeah.
Well, look, let, let, just, to, just, to, just to throw out, right, like a piece of evidence in that direction, right, we don't have time to do it, but one of the, the questions that, right, is dealt with in, in some of the postkim that in Yad Ephraim is, okay, the Gemara tells you that lotamod al-damreyecha requires not only for you to protect someone, but to spend money to protect them, right? Right, and that's unique to, lo, right, that's a unique halacha in lotamod, right? So the, then the, the later post can say, okay, is that true of the derivative Lotamodes as well as the original, right? Which is a good way of testing, right? The extent to which we really think it is, right? Modeled after the, par the paradigm. Right, and that's where the post game end up saying, to save someone else's money, you might not, but that's a technicality, right? Because you're able to force them to pay you and then at some point it doesn't become worth it. Right, but for physical bodily harm, presumably you would have to, right? You froze here.
I mean, you could look, you could I mean, I mean, right. And of course, if you, if you throw revol if you throw Roshomel Zalman in, then you get a whole mess, right? Because Roshomel Zalman actually raises the possibility that you have, you can have a din road day for someone who's going to embarrass someone and that maybe you can be Mechal Shabbos to prevent someone from being embarrassed, right? He raises all those. Okay, so, 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 okay, so, okay, so I'll make two points then because I have four minutes. Um, one, we don't have time to read it, but I gave you, and I expected this much, I gave you a bunch of classic chuvot, 20th century on Lashon Hara. Um, Tzitzeliezer, Chalkad Yaakov, Rubovadia. Um, if you have the time, I want you to read it to, and notice two points, right? Or three points, really. One is, um, where they quote the Chavetz Chaim and where they quote that Pitchei Tshuva, right? I, I have a recording, so hopefully that's okay. Anyways, um, point two is even when they quote the Chavetz Chaim, do you think they actually agree with the Chavetz Chaim? Okay, because what I've noticed in many Tshuvot is that as even when Chav, when later postgame quote the Chavetz Chaim, they don't actually go and check off all the boxes, right? Like, they are sort of convinced that there's such a thing as Lashon Hara that's Mutter, and the Chavetz Chaim came up with a category called Toelet, but I have yet to ever find a Posek who actually went through it and said, this is Mutter because it checks the seven boxes of the Chavetz Chaim. But they will say... But they will say, oh, and this is mutter, because as you know, the Chavetz Chaim says, Lashon Har Toilet is mutter, right? So I want you not to, so I, what, at some point I just sat down and went through, I don't know how many true vote, where they claimed they were quoting the Chavetz Chaim to find if any of them ever bothered, right, to actually do what the Chavetz Chaim says you need to do. And my feeling is that the answer is no, right, which is part of my conviction that de facto, right, descriptively, 
the Chavetz Chaim, as presented in Chavetz Chaim, in its most extreme form, at the very least, is not accepted, right? But I want you to go through that and tell me whether you think that's true, if you have time to read through. I just gave you a few representative. Um, in those two, but I also picked ones that expand Lotamod even beyond um, what we've talked about um, to, to include emotional um, pain, spiritual pain. Don't ask me what that means, but Tzitzeliezer comes up with such a category, right? Because at some point, Tzitzeliezer had this formulation of it being mutter to share potential information about infertility to a shidduch because of the tsar ruchani or something like that of not being able to be makayim the mitzvah of purvu, right? So rather than just setting it up as purvu, right, as like doche, he doesn't do that. He sets it up as some sort of tsar ruchani. I don't know what that means, but I want you to pay attention to things, right? He calls it, right? Here, I'll pull it up for a second, right? Just to see the type of lines I want you to look for. Um, okay, right? So I want you to see how, A, whether you think the Chavetz Chaim would accept any of this, and B, how far the post can actually extend these categories because I think it's quite telling, okay? There are other chuvot. If you want to look at other chuvot, I, I gave you at the bottom this link to the Olamot one where they collect a bunch, including just the um, encyclopedia, the encyclopedia, the halachic medical ethics encyclopedia, the Hebrew one, um, on all the cases when you can share medical information for Shiduchim, and you can look at all the footnotes that he quotes, and you can follow every single one of those chuvot and, and see... What what happens there? Um, fine. The last point that unfortunately we really can't explore because it's really fascinating um, is do do these rules apply the same to Gilui Sod as they do in Lash in what we're calling Lashon Hara? Um, and I found that Nissan Karelitz thinks not. Um, and he thinks that Toelet is only just if you pull up just for the last second here, where it's under where the mouse is, right? He says, Lachain Mistabra de Lomahani Heter de Toelet Shamatino Lagabe Isur Lashan Hara. Right? The Heter, only everything we've been talking about is only in the context of what we call gossip. But not confidential, not breaching confidentiality. Why not? So he says at the top of this section, Right? Because he thinks that there's something else going on there. That even if Toelet is enough to get you out of gossip, it's not enough to get you out of the implied contract or just agreement um, of telling a secret, the implied confidentiality, there he thinks that the only thing that will get you out of it is um, right, he thinks, and this is where it's very interesting, he says 
Lo Tamod will get you out of Gilui Sod, but Toelet will not. Okay? Right? Because Lo Tamod is a, is a different, right? So this is a fascinating analysis that we could probably spend another hour on, right? Which is, what is it? Right? What exactly does Mizim think is going on here? Um, and what does that tell you about confidentiality? Um, right? Which is confidential because you said so, right? Rather than, right, information you shouldn't share because it's negative, but not necessarily private. Um, right, Clapper, I really wish I had more time to analyze that because I think that that piece of Nizan Kralitz is critical um, and fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to have to end. This was, this was wonderful. Um, but I, I think you guys should at least find some time to discuss this piece of Nizan Karelitz because a lot of these questions that we talked about, right, is this unique to Lashanara, right? He's the one who explicitly takes it up and says, aha, Lutamot can accomplish what Toelet cannot because Lashanara and Toelet have a unique relationship, which other things, right, don't, right? Um, which is fascinating, especially if they're both derived from the same pasuk, which he, I don't think he believes. Um, but unfortunately, we can't get into that, which is so chaval. Uh, I think so. I did it on my computer, so it should be it should be complete. Yes, a hundred percent. Um 